I'm Elena Landsberg-Lewis, your host of Grandmothers on the Move, the podcast that kicks old stereotypes to the curb. Come meet these creative, outrageous, authentic, adventurous, irreverent, and powerful disruptors and influencers. Grandmothers, from the living room to the courtroom, making powerful contributions in every walk of life. We know them most intimately as loving caregivers, the older women in our lives with a thousand stories about their grandchildren and pictures in their purses. In this podcast, you'll come to know even more about our grandmothers. They are galvanized, determined, and are guaranteed to get you thinking. What drives them? What are they up to? What is the potential of grandmother power, and how is it changing the world? Grandmothers are on the move. You don't want to be left behind. Hi, it's Ilana. Welcome back to Grandmothers on the Move. I've been on a short hiatus, but I'm back now with the most unusual interview for this podcast. It's with two people. First, the architect and founder of something called The Grandma's Project. Jonas Parente, and one of his filmmakers, Frankie Wallach. This is a lovely initiative. It brought me joy and laughter and some poignant moments watching these short eight-minute videos that are made by adult grandchildren filming their grandmothers in the kitchen making a special recipe. Let me tell you what Jonas says himself about filming their own grandma. This is a signature of the Grandma's Project. Having filmmakers do films on their own grandmas invites us as spectators in the intimacy of these families, in the warmth of these kitchens all around the world. It opens up to very personal tales about the great transformations of the 20th century, whether it's migrations, wars, feminism, or more private situations. We feel as if all of these grandmas become our grandmas. And then he goes on to tell us about why he chose making a special recipe in the kitchen. Each film revolves around the making of one recipe. Not only is this yummy and narratively efficient, it has a beginning and an end, it is also one of the most natural and universal ways we address our grandmas and learn about our history. The recipe is the doorway to the story and vice versa. This also provides an amazing way to reach out to a global audience of people looking for authentic recipes. It really is a most innovative and wonderful project. And on a more serious note, in January of 2016, the Grandma's Project received the imprimatur and the patronage of UNESCO. And now, my conversation with Jonas and Frankie about the Grandma's Project. Jonas and Frankie, welcome to Grandmothers on the Move. It's wonderful to have you with us today. Hi, and thank you for having us. Thank you so much. I was just saying to both of you before we started recording that this is a special and unusual conversation for me in the context of the Grandmothers on the Move podcast and for my listeners, because I have yet to interview someone who is not a grandmother. And there are lots of people doing projects with grandmothers, but I was particularly struck, Jonas, by the Grandmas Project, which is, I know, a collaborative web documentary where you invite filmmakers to do short films with and about their own grandmothers using a much-loved recipe, almost as a way of investigating or creating an inquiry and conversation about heritage and community and family and history between the filmmaker and their own grandmother. I, br- I try to break lots of stereotypes on grandmothers on the move with grandmothers, but I'm not usually breaking stereotypes with young men. Uh, (laughs) But actually, I think it's quite wonderful and unusual to have a younger man who is devoting part of his life and creativity and artistry to exploring relationships with grandmothers. Tell me how that began for you and and what you're doing. 
Well, so basically, I started thinking about filming my two grandmothers after I finished my sociology studies when I was about 23. And I was kind of bored with sociology and I wanted to do something more artistic. And I kind of felt that documentary filmmaking was a, a really proper way for me to try to say what I was hoping to say. And the first idea that really came to my mind was I want to tell the stories of my grandmas. I want to tell the story of my family. And I want to um, explore my own history and understand better who I am through people who fed me through the people who fed me not only with food but only fed me with energy with views on the world with uh, memories of their past and so quite naturally I filmed both my grandmas so my mom's mom uh, was a Polish Jew who first escaped to Russia and then moved to France in the 50s and my dad's mother is an Egyptian Jew who arrived in France in the late 50s both to Paris so even though they were both Jewish they had really different backgrounds and for me it was quite fascinating that those two women who were the important members of my family had such different journeys and such a different tend in the world when it came to language, when it came to food, when it came to culture, when it came to pretty much everything. And so I wanted to do that documentary about the two of them and trying to shake their, their stories together within one bigger story. Uh, and that was, that was really the origin of it. For a, a year or so, I filmed them quite extensively. And then I had to drop that project. The first reason was that I moved to New York to actually study film, documentary filmmaking. And also while I was living in New York, maternal grandma died. So I really dropped that, that idea. And it's two years later, I thought about that project again and really frustrated that I could not achieve that idea of putting those grandmother stories together. And so quite naturally, I, I figured that I could ask my filmmaker's friend to film their own grandmother and that we could share those stories, share those recipes because the food aspect of it was quite central for me and share all those things together on one international platform. I love it so much because I find it such a brilliant combination of the emotions of the filmmaker themselves and the connection they have. So there isn't that distance that so many documentaries have. When I was watching the videos, regardless of the difference between the cultures, the languages, the relationships, which are obviously different between every grandmother and grandson or granddaughter, but the emotion is so palpable. What I was trying to preserve or to kind of transmit down was also a matter of identity, a matter of who are we, where do we come from, and how can I even pass that down to my children? So the food was very, very central. My two grandmothers' main activity was to cook. And for me, understanding what were my Polish roots or what were my Egyptian roots mostly came down to food because I didn't start uh, learning Yiddish or Arabic, for instance. But I could definitely recognize the flavors of Egyptian. Egyptian food or Polish food or let's say Yiddish food and nowadays I start cooking and now my own children have that same connection to those flavors so they know that part of us are Egyptians or part of us are Polish only because of the food right and also it's because I think the kitchen is where you stand with your grandmother and when I was young I started asking questions to my grandmother in the kitchen when she was cooking and that's why I had a different relationship with her than with my grandfather because I didn't have the time to talk with him. Right. And Frankie, that really comes through in your film with your grandmother. I mean, first of all, I fell in love with both of you. There was <laughs> there, there was such a beautiful connection. She's wonderful. The kitchen is so small. It was I was super I, hard filming <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> but actually, the fact that you raised just now that that is partly where your relationship existed, not exclusively, but the part of your no. relationship was in that kitchen, you can feel the comfort and the intimacy of the flow of your conversation as she cooks. I watched the film of Jonas 
And then I told him I really want to do the same with my grandma because I loved his film. But the thing is, I wasn't a filmmaker because I started to work in the film industry as an actress. So I didn't know how to direct someone or to film. And he told me, okay, I'm going to give you my camera. The only rule was to be alone with your grandma. So I had to film Mm -hmm. and I couldn't have someone filming for me. So he gave me his camera for a day. And all I knew is that I wanted to film her first as a woman before the spectator knows that she has been deported. So that was the only thing I knew about the construction of my film. And I knew that I wanted a shot while she would be with her iPhone and her computer. And that's the only things I prepared. And so I just came there. I put the camera in. So when I decided to go in the image to cook with her, it's because she asked me, can you help me? And so I went, but nothing was prepared. And it was just during a whole day, we cooked and then we ate and we just talked and I knew like that there were some questions that I could ask her and she would go in that direction but that's the only thing I planned before. You've decided to continue on with your grandmother what are you doing now? So now I'm doing a long feature film she's dreaming of being an actress and I wanted to offer a role to her but something different from her some like an occasion for her to talk about something else than the, the holocaust and so I wanted her to play um Madeleine, which is a character in a play of Marguerite Duras called Savannah Bay. And actually, when we tried to rehearse, I figured out that it was impossible for her to learn lines. And what was interesting to me is to spend time with her and find another occasion to spend time with her and to make her just play as if she was a big actress. So I rewrote everything. And now it's becoming a long feature film about me just trying to do a film with my grandma. And my family is just intervening and giving their advices. And so my dad is playing (laughs) his role of the dad. My grandmother is playing her role and all of the other are actors. Wow, magnificent. She's actually brilliant during the rehearsal. (laughs) That doesn't surprise me. So that's interesting. Jonas, for you too, to think about that first you started asking just your filmmaker friends. And now I see on your Kickstarter site and on your website that other filmmakers that maybe you don't even know who see this and hear about it can also join in. But then you have someone like Frankie who wasn't a filmmaker, but this may be the launching of a whole new path. And and Jonas, when you think about the filmmakers who are getting involved and what this means. What are you hoping will happen here? So as you mentioned, uh, the first participating filmmakers were people that I knew because, you know, that was the most simple way to to move forward. But then from the existing films already, half of them were made through an open call where people sent written proposals, not finished films or not even like work in progress, but really just written pieces where they explained why they were applying, who their grandmas were, and what kind of film they were wanting to make. So by the time the jury selected the best proposal. I knew already what was the basics of the story and hopefully with the next round of call, which will end in mid-January, the principle will be the same. I must say that it's the professional experience I enjoy the most to interact and to guide those filmmakers about how to make their films and how to enjoy themselves, really. Because it's not about how you should make your film because the idea is that the films don't have to be the same. That's why I try to give very few uh, rules. The idea is rather to have a very diverse range of films, even though they all last eight minutes. But one of my main advice is really to enjoy the moment. And as Frankie said, we don't have that many occasions or opportunities to spend that kind of time with our grandmothers or with our elders in general. 
So my, what I say to the filmmakers is you're going to go there with your camera and with your microphone. Of course, you have a film in mind, but you know what? You should just keep it rolling because who cares if you have 12 hours of interview because, you know, those 12 hours will be important for you, will be important for your family, will be important mm -hmm. for your children. And yes, you will only save eight minutes out of that. But the moment you will spend with her, it will be a, a gift probably for her and most certainly for you for the rest of your life. And I must say that one of the biggest rewards of that project is the filmmakers thanking me for the time that they spent with their grandmas because I love their films. I love even more the fact that I participated to them spending that time with them. That's magnificent because I can tell you, Jonathan, when I speak to grandmothers on the other side of the equation, so many of them say how much they regret that they don't have more time with their grandchildren. They're not complaining. They want their young adult grandchildren to go out into the world and be their own people. But the grandmothers themselves, they're more aware of how precious time is right. than we are, frankly. And I love that too in these films, the surprise the filmmakers themselves had at the end that their grandmothers gave them. Frankly, yeah. I remember there was a couple of times when your grandmother said things to you and you just burst out laughing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love that because it communicated that we see our grandmothers in one way, but we don't know them entirely as people. Yeah. And, and we think that they're old and that they don't get anything, but they have so much experience of life than us. <laughs> I'd love for people to be able to connect with you. Just want to clarify for people, is it a global project? Any filmmaker who wants to get in touch with you from anywhere to do this, an interview like this with their grandmother can get in touch with you? Oh yeah, no, definitely. I mean, for the first season, I would say that a, a third of the films were made by filmmakers in France, because you know that's where I have the most outreach capacity, let's say. But one film was made in India, one film was made in Brazil, a few films were made in uh, Eastern Europe or former Yugoslavia. And the idea is to keep expanding or to add geographical diversity within the project. We received UNESCO's patronage in 2016 because we really present ourselves as a global effort, which is as well commercial free and you know open to anyone. Right. So but for UNESCO to work with you, you, you have to fund your project completely. They don't do the fundings. Isn't that right? It is right. They help us with the symbol and that's it. It's huge, but there is no financial aspect to it. Uh, I just love the videos. I love the whole concept. There's so much about it and so much possibility for it. But the fact that you're trying to raise awareness and raise money about it at the same time is one of the reasons I wanted to speak to you. Frankie, what do you hope other people will take away from it when they see your film, this one and the feature film? First, I hope that the people of my generation will take attention to their grandmother and take the time to just ask questions before it's too late. And I think for the long feature film, it's more talking about how family and how my grandmother transmitted to my dad and so to me an amazing heritage and a positive way of thinking and a strength also because she's super strong in, in her life, but also how her heritage and her, her fear and all of what she experienced in the camps, how we can also affect my dad, for example, but that my generation, the second generation, can transcend our heritage. And I think the people of my age, they need to just get the most important from their grandmother and just do something with it and don't try to erase their heritage. And I think that's one of the things I love most, Jonas, about the idea, but also the product, what has come out of it. Uh, and the art that has come out of it is that in the space that it exists, it says this is valuable to hear from our grandmothers, to spend time with them, 
to document their stories, but also to give visibility to the relationships that we have with them. It's an extraordinarily beautiful project for which I thank you. And before we end our conversation, Jonas, tell me about the Kickstarter campaign. The crowdfunding campaign, we, we try to finance the second season of our films. And the principle is that each 5,000 euros enables us to make one more episode. So at the time we record this podcast, almost three episodes are funded. The more people contribute, the more episodes we can make. Okay, so you have three that you can make now. And so I saw on Kickstarter, and I'll put all this information up for people, that you had set a goal that was modest, but presumably there really is no stopping. The more money that people can contribute, the more films can be made. Exactly. Thank you both so, so much. Thank you so much. I love what you're doing. I hope you'll stay in touch with us. And Frankie, we're, we're going to keep our eyes out for the feature film. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Thank you you're so much. Thank you, Juliana. Thanks for listening. I'm Ilana Landsberg-Lewis, your host of Grandmothers on the Move. If you want to find out more about me or the podcast, go to grandmothersonthemove.com and come back next week for another episode.